2: Howdy, howdy, howdy once again, my friends. George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas. And we've got uh, our good friend, Mr. Rodney Scott, uh, former Border Patrol Chief, National Border Patrol Chief, and uh, now a senior fellow at uh, the Texas Public Policy Foundation. Uh, I'm proud to say that he uh, has become a regular guest on our show I wanted to reach out to him because uh, of a recent interview that uh, was done on uh, CBS's 60 Minutes with Homeland Security uh, Secretary uh, Mayorkas. Now, uh, Rodney, thank you for taking time to be with us. Let me, let me preface this by uh, describing a few of the things that have happened just in the past week. Um, there have been, uh, first of all... There was a major fire caused by people who wanted to come to the United States who had lost their patience, a major fire in Juarez, Mexico. And uh, these migrants uh, set a fire, and 39 migrants lost their lives in Juarez. There has also been a uh, recent picture of a child floating down in a um, inner tube, it looks like, uh, floating down the middle of the Rio Grande, and a border patrol agent rushing in to, to save him, as well as uh, several instances here in South Texas of um, folks uh, found uh, in uh, almost almost dead inside uh, trucks and um, and and uh, trains, tra- boxcars. Now, all of these ha- things are happening just within uh, a few days of each other, and. Um, the secretary doesn't think, I guess, it's a crisis because he refuses to uh, call it that. Give us your thoughts, and welcome to the show, of course.
3: Well, thank you once again, not only for having me on, but for you know keeping this crisis—and it is a crisis—front uh, and center for for your listeners to uh, to stay aware of. But hopefully, they do more than stay aware. Hopefully, they take this information and, and reach out to their congressional. Uh, representatives and senators and, and demand something to be done uh, that 60 minutes interview didn't really surprise me it's disgusting to be honest but it didn't surprise me because the the secretary had just been in front of congress in front of the senate actually um under oath once again and he refused to use the word crisis there too he calls it a challenge he says on 60 minutes though it really got me is he said he refuses to call it a, a crisis uh, because he has faith in dhs the personnel of DHS. Well, unfortunately, they don't have faith in him. There's two crises right now. One is actually at the border, it's an immediate threat to our country because we're not securing our border. But there's also a leadership crisis in the White House and specifically in DHS. If you listen to uh, that 60 Minutes thing, and I'm not really encouraging anybody to do that, it's kind of a waste of time, but you'll hear several things come out of the Secretary's mouth. He talks about building lawful, safe, and orderly pathways into the U.S. He did the same thing in front of the Senate. At no time does he ever talk about carrying out the legal functions of the role that he holds, which is to secure our borders and make sure we know who and what is entering our country. Uh, He's a total failure. He he refuses to carry out his job. He refuses to admit uh, that there is a crisis. There's no way that anybody can can tell me, you know, 30 years of experience in the Border Patrol. Uh, They're claiming the numbers dropped January and February. Please, please don't get distracted by, by you know small trends, left or right. In February, if you look at CBP encounters, it's still 7,500 illegal aliens every single day that CBP was having to deal with. Wow. That totally overwhelms the system. That gives cartels complete and total control of the border to pick who and what comes into this country instead of the U.S. government. And the fact that Mayorkas won't admit it's a crisis really shows two things. One... I don't think he believes it's a crisis because he, he's become very, very clear that he supports open borders and has no uh, desire whatsoever to slow down the slow. Um, and he's just ignorant to the threats that are, that are mixed in there.
2: Now, uh, in the time that uh, you served, I mean, I remember uh, growing up that people used to run and hide from the... Uh, illegal aliens used to run and hide from the Border Patrol. Now... Uh, they they uh, kind of walk up and introduce themselves But at the same time, now we're seeing people again Hiding, but in huge numbers In huge numbers uh, The Godaways, the, gotaways, the uh, folks that are trying to avoid detection uh, what, what does this uh, do to you, do you think? Well,
3: first off, and thank you for bringing that up, George, There's always been both But when you're overwhelmed with like 300,000 people in a month, the Border Patrol doesn't get a chance to really go interact with the people that don't want to surrender. Uh, Chief Ortiz recently uh, testified just this fiscal year, the Border Patrol's already documented over 300,000 known gotaways. That means the Border Patrol saw them crossing in some way, but they were out of agents because they were so overwhelmed with these quote-unquote fraudulent asylum seekers the reason people are surrendering is because this administration created catch and release policies where all they had to do was claim some type of fear They didn't even have to be able to prove it and they'll get released into the u.s for a hearing years and years down the road but anybody that does anybody that has a criminal record in the u.s before anybody that even is somewhat afraid or paranoid that they may have some background the border patrol would not allow them in um, or the potential terrorists, they've always waited for the second wave uh, to try to get away. And some of these smoke and mirror programs that the administration has rolled out and claimed success over lately, like the CBP1 app um, and allowing people from specific countries, like 30,000 people from, from Venezuela, Cuba, these different countries. in you know, it delayed it short term and it made people realize, and then you basically said, if you don't use CBP1 app, you're going to get deported. Um, it didn't change the flow it just hides where they're crossing or changes how the cartel basically pushes them across to overwhelm uh, the border patrol. As long as this administration keeps talking about finding ways to just let more people without legal immigration into the country um, for their hearings to be years down the road you're going to have all these, these issues and you're going to have the deaths because chaos always creates death. I hate to say it but if you think of riot situations, if you think of of any type of, of a situation, the fundamental like role of government, law enforcement in general is to create safe and secure environments so that people people aren't dying, but whether it's the trains, the tractor trailers or who knows, the hundreds of deaths that we're not gonna know about for months or years because they're out in remote sections of, of the Rio Grande River or even the Arizona desert. That's all on the back of this administration for not securing our border when we showed them in the last administration that it could be done.
2: We uh, also have heard that, uh, for example, in the Swanton Border Patrol sector, which is uh, uh, Vermont, Maine, uh, those states where they're they're beginning to experience uh, a huge uh, surge in migrant crossings, and uh, the headache that they've got is that they've had personnel moved to uh to the southern border and so they're shorthanded as well
3: <laughs> yeah those the northern border has always been um a threat if you will it is a different dynamic because of the relationship we have with canada and the, the high highly the high level of integrity the rcmp up there um but this is what you get and that's why i always try to remind people you need to look at all the borders it's not just the southwest border it's all the borders of the United States. And whenever you allow the cartel to pull all your resources into one place to, re- to respond to these massive surges in illegal immigration, you leave huge vulnerabilities in other places, whether it be ports of entry or like you're, like we're seeing now on the northern border. Um, unfortunately, uh, the administration had chosen to detail tons, pretty much the entire border patrol to the southwest border. Uh, And then the message gets out, and then Canada changed some of their immigration laws and made it easier for people to to come into Canada and visit. Um, And now they're just pulling across the the northern border as well. For for perspective, though, George, Swanton in the last five months has caught more illegal aliens crossing the border than they caught in the entire last
2: three years combined. Oh, my gosh.
3: And that's with a very, very few agents up there.
2: Oh, my gosh. And those are the people that they caught.
3: Again, those are the, those are the people that they caught. Exactly, <laughs> incredible. It's funny though. Mexico, Canada came to us and uh, asked for help with illegal immigration, and we stepped up to the plate and and did a safe third nation. But yet, we won't push Mexico to do the same. Yeah. We're not asking. It is the, the irony is is there the hypocrisy of this secretary and this administration is. It's unbelievable.
2: Uh, it, it really, really is. Let me ask you this one last question, because you were the Border Patrol chief over all of the um, Border Patrol agents. We have seen in uh, in in the uh, among police departments across the, the U.S. Uh, that um, the number of uh, the attrition among police officers because of, of uh the disrespect because of the undermining of police work uh are we seeing the same thing among border patrol
3: yes if not even worse uh so the border patrol is a little bit unique um even even more so than than a local law enforcement agency a couple reasons one the size of the border patrol and the fact that the border patrol has hired large numbers of agents um Basically, depending on different crises, like after 9 11. So, what that all at the same time. So, what that really means is they become eligible then to retire all at the same time. Border Patrol agents can stay on until they're 57 years old if they want. But even before I left, just the, the rhetoric of this administration, we were seeing a massive increase in voluntary retirements, early retirements. Um, I talked to quite a few guys. We're still having that very significant issue. And recruiting is extremely difficult in law enforcement now in general, as you mentioned. Uh, But even in Border Patrol, when when you see that they've been relegated to immigration processing and they're not doing the jobs that they were originally hired to do or the jobs you see on the flyers, uh, there's definitely some recruiting challenges. So when you hear people talk about hiring a bunch of more Border Patrol agents, it's easy to say, it's not easy to do. Uh, And then it takes about a year and a half before those agents are actually really truly productive out in the field, sometimes two years, depending on the terrain. Um, it, we're, in a, we're, in a, we're in a downward spiral in this administration, specifically this incompetent secretary, refuses to do anything about it. He can't even admit that it's a crisis. It reminds me of like somebody on the, like the captain of the Titanic initially thinking the ship can't sink, the ship can't sink. It doesn't matter how many times you say it, ship's sinking man.
2: Yep, uh, Good. good analogy. Folks, we've been speaking with our good friend uh, uh, Rodney Scott, the former Border Patrol chief uh, and now a senior fellow at the Texas Public Policy Foundation. Rodney, thank you very, very much for taking time to be with us and and chatting with us.
3: Hey, thank you for, uh, again, keeping the message out there and keeping the fight going. Appreciate it.
2: You got it. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas. And we've got our good friend, Mr. Jason Jones, reporter with Newsmax, as well as a former Texas Department of Public Safety official. He knows the border. He reports on the border. He's worked on the border. And he is an expert, in my opinion, on what uh, the crime is like. Jason, welcome to the show. Let me ask you before we start. Uh, we had a recent uh, interview. There was a recent interview on CBS 60 Minutes with Majorcas and uh, the Homeland Security Secretary and he uh, refused to use the word crisis when describing what's going on at the border. Now, from my calculations, you and I have been chatting on this radio show for almost five years. <laughs> And what is your assessment? What give us an update and an assessment of what is going on at the border?
1: Sure. And George, first, I just want to say it's always good to be on the show. And thanks for having me back here. And, you know, just to address that quick question about Secretary Mayorkas, comments for the first time, I think I finally uh, agree with him Uh, as the man who is the architect behind what has been happening at our nation's borders. He's right. We are not in a border crisis any longer. We were. And we're not uh, a nation that's under an invasion anymore. We were. Today, we are a nation overrun. Ooh. And when I say that, let me give you the data. Please. The data is very clear from U.S. Customs and Border Protection. For the first five months of fiscal year 23, the data validates that U.S. Border Patrol, just at your southern border, for the folks that are listening, And just between the ports of entry, meaning not on the ports, just the areas where Border Patrol operates, in five months, they have apprehended 891,000 people crossing your southern border. Now, that doesn't include your ports, that doesn't include your coastal borders, and it doesn't include your northern border. We have never been where we are even close since CBP has been keeping the data since 1960.
2: Incredible. Incredible. Give us that number one more time.
1: You've got 891,000 apprehensions on the southern border between the ports. Now, let me give you one more. Border Patrol Chief Ortiz admitted that in the same five-month period, 385,000 known gotaways. So when the secretary tells you we're not in the midst of a border crisis, I agree with him. We're a nation overrun. We have far exceeded The man who is the architect behind the worst border crisis in america we're beyond that we're overrun and all you have to do is go to the border and watch what the men and women of local state and federal law enforcement are experiencing and you will see it when you're on the ground with them
2: incredible now these are the people that uh, are encountered uh that does not include the gotaways correct or the people that we don't even know that are sneaking in
1: that's exactly right. So the gotaway numbers for five months is sitting at 385,000. Now, that's in five months just at your southern border. That doesn't include the coastal borders or the northern border. The other part of that number is that those are just the ones we know about, never mind the ones we have no clue about.
2: Incredible. Now, that's the human trafficking. What about the drug trafficking?
1: Well, you know, that's just, you know, this is the whole thing about the border issue that Americans have to make a decision on and truly understand the totality of what is taking place at our nation's borders, you know. We have looked at this, George, through the lens of an immigration issue for so long, talking about our border through, you know, the lens of Mexico and the United States relationships. We've had people from 159 countries in five months, 159 different countries in five months. The national security implications are tremendous. And let me give you data on that. You know, I mean, we know that last year there were 60. Nine, I'm sorry, there was over 100 people on the terrorism watch list. We've already had in the first five months over 67. Wow. So, you know, this is where I, and now let's go into the fentanyl world. Look at what's happened with the fentanyl seizures at your border, the all-time highest in the last five months. Look at the domestic seizures throughout the countries from law enforcement at all levels, local, state, and federal, and then overlay that with the 106,000 overdose deaths, which many are, you know, most of those are really poisonings from the Sinaloa Cartel and cartel Jalisco New Generation. And where I'm going with this, why it's very important for the listener, is that we have to understand that the production of these poisons and these synthetic drugs like fentanyl and methamphetamine from the Sinaloa Cartel and CJNG, the production levels are so high. So when you see the seizure numbers at the highest at the border, the reason I highlight this The domestic seizures throughout the country, the highest levels, and in the overdose crisis that we're in, it validates that the production numbers in Mexico are just so high that we cannot seize or arrest our way out of this. And that's why the immigration issue, the the secretary, Mayorkas, is trying to separate, as you saw in hearings last week, to say – that we have to separate the border issue from the migration issue and he's absolutely false he has he wants to do that because he doesn't explain how the cartels how the long-haul smugglers how the alien smuggling organizations and how the hawk network who has operational control of your southern border move those drugs into the country move terrorists into the country and then also work with u.s based street gangs and tier one gangs to distribute this poison and these Folks throughout our country, and that's why you can't separate it. The cartels and all of them have to be the focus to fix this problem, and it's why he is failing as the Secretary of Homeland
2: Security. Also, the uh, the amount of violence, particularly involving um, Americans lately, people getting Americans getting kidnapped, Americans getting shot. Um, if they go across the border, and uh, I mean, you know, I, I won't. I definitely will not go across the border. But still, there are people that are still going across the border for whatever reason, and they they feel comfortable until something happens. It seems like that whole situation is heating up as well.
1: And you have to ask why, and it goes back to exactly what I was saying. Because these are the people who are in care, custody, and control of the migrants. These are the people who are the producers of deadly fentanyl working with state actors like china pakistan india and others to move chemical precursors into mexico to produce the deadly poison these are the same actors who are causing the violence in mexican mexico to mexican citizens and who have become a true parallel government in areas where the mexican government themselves are not in control of their their nation's sovereignty so we have to look at mexico where it is today and the problem is that our citizens have not been told by the executive leadership of the homeland security enterprise u.s intelligence agencies and others because it doesn't look good that one of our nation's number one trading partners is a narco state and that is mexico and that's why we are having the true failure and look in fairness to mexico and in fairness to many other countries our policies are causing a lot of this because as these cartels make more money off of treating people as a commodity through the the adjustment from smuggling into the trafficking as they make more money off deadly fentanyl and other things that gives them the ability to have more power which causes violence in Mexico and more span of control so you know this is why we are where we are and until we start really changing our immigration policies changing the way we view the southern border as a national security interest and holding the cartels responsible we're not going to fix any of this, George, and you're going to continue to see this spiral rapidly out of control. And let me just warn the viewers listening right now. May 11th is coming, and that is when Title 42 is going to end. And get ready. If you think the surge you're dealing with right now is bad, I'll say it right now and hold me to this. Come in time after May 11th, George, and have me back on. and Let's see where we are as the numbers continue to increase, along with everything else that we're seeing.
2: Amazing, amazing. Let me uh, ask you this uh, before we let you go. We are seeing some folks like Congressman Chip Roy here from the 21st District of Texas um, push back real hard and uh, push forward legislation to declare uh, the uh, cartels as terrorist organizations we're also seeing in Austin here in here in Texas uh, some bills that are pushing for uh, more activity to to uh, stop the human and drug smuggling. Do you see uh, these efforts as um, as something that uh, you think will eventually happen or could happen?
1: I know that I, I do and I, I give Congressman Shiproy and many others out there. Uh, at both the, the Texas legislature level and in the Arizona legislature where they right now are trying to get the cartels designated as foreign terrorist organizations, just as Texas already has. But the problem is there's not statutes on the books in both states to then come back to be able to really focus on the cartels, and that's what we're hoping that the legislatures at the state levels will do now. But I will tell you, as somebody that works side-by-side with Congressman Shipley on not one, not two, but even the third bill that's in Congress right now to designate these cartels as foreign terrorist organizations. I did that because this is part of the solution. We have to have the tools of national power and the authorities to truly go after them outside the Fourth Amendment in the Department of Justice model. When you think of the cartels today, you must look at them for what they are, truly dark networks, meaning some are hubs, some are spokes, some are wheel or mesh networks. And when you truly go after the network, you have to go after lawyers, accountants, and the organizational structure that that is really running it like a business model, protecting it through their lawyers from the legal system and really focus on the network. What we do through the Department of Justice model, and look, i worked this and i built programs to be a part of it going after the Zetas when we disrupted them, is that we're only able to go after what we have warrants on overlaid with provisional arrest warrants and then working with the host nation to go after them. That, by design, moves very slow and it doesn't allow you to attack the network as a whole using full-spectrum operations. And that's exactly why when we get the terrorism designation, we're going to be able to defeat them. Not only by going after the network, but by targeting the assets and the money, which your listeners have been hearing for 20 years, the problem is that we've been doing it through an investigative model and not through a model that allows us to put speed behind the system to truly go after their assets and and disrupt them.
2: Fantastic. Buddy, thank you very much for taking time to be with us and explain this. Tell the folks where they can follow you and where they can uh, read about uh, your writings and your exploits.
1: Absolutely. I'm Newsmax's national border correspondent today, and uh, you can find me at Jason jones.com
2: that's j-a-e-s-o-n jones.com george always great to be with you buddy you take care my man once again my friends george rodriguez el conservador talking to you from san antonio once again my friends thank you very much for tuning in to the el conservador show this weekend we uh hope that you enjoyed it we hope that uh Uh, you will uh, continue to support us and to listen to our program we are looking for sponsors all the time we are looking for donors all the time there is a one a 501c3 nonprofit uh, that helps us and uh, we also are constantly looking for folks who will advertise on our show or uh, help us uh, uh, we will advertise whenever I go to a speaking engagement. So um, be in contact with us, and we'll tell you how you might be a good uh, a sponsor or a donor. Uh, so without further ado, thank you very much once again for joining us today, my friends. Uh, we have our book on sale at Amazon, and uh, we have um, we can come to, to you to speak anytime that you wish. Thank you very much. Stay strong, my friends, and please... God bless America.
0: The El Conservador Radio Show is sponsored by the Federation for American Immigration Reform and George Rodriguez on 9:30 a.m. The Answer. Time for the El Conservador radio show with George Rodriguez. George is a constitutional conservative who loves to expose fake news and liberals. Be a part of the show. Call 210 308 8867. And now, El Conservador. George Rodriguez,
2: howdy, howdy, howdy! Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of Texas. How is everybody today on this beautiful April eighth, twenty twenty three? Well, we've had a little bit of rain. <laughs> we've had a lot of rain in some places, and uh, but we need it. April showers bring bring May flowers uh in some cases the flowers were already here <laughs> but uh it's uh it's not bad my friends welcome to the show let me tell you we've got some great guests as usual lots has been happening in this the the past few uh days this past week and um we've got some great um uh guests that will uh provide you some in-depth uh insight to what uh is going on that uh, obviously the The media will not tell you. Our show is uh, about three things. It's about uh, the border crisis. It is about the issue of race relations, which are uh, fanned. The negative part is fanned constantly by the left. Uh, Minorities are constantly viewed as uh, or portrayed as victims. Not yours truly, but they are. And uh, the fake news. The fake news, my friends, is our enemy. That's all there is to to say. It is our enemy. So let me tell you who our guests are, real quick, and then I'll tell you a few more. I'll give you some um, some news, real quick. Uh, our first guest is uh, Mr. John Zadrozny. John is with the uh, he is with the America First Legal Foundation in Washington D.C. Uh, John it was a uh, an a to... Um, President Trump and he also, get this he also worked in the DA's office in New York, in Manhattan so he's got some insight as to what has been happening this past week uh, that you'll want to hear regarding the situation with uh, former President Trump um, his uh, arrest, indictment, etc. Cetera, et cetera. Uh, John Zadrosny with the America First Legal Foundation. Our next uh, guest after him is Mr. Randy Clark. Randy is a reporter with Breitbart. He is the reporter at the border uh, for Breitbart. He's going to be providing us some information regarding what is going on with the border crisis, uh, with, the, um, uh, with the comments by Mallorca, and uh, the uh, a few other items that are going on at the border that you may not have heard about. Uh, after him, we've got uh, Mr. Rod- Rodney Scott, Rodney Scott is the former Border Patrol Chief, National Border Patrol Chief, uh, and uh, he's going to provide, he's retired now, and he's going to open up about the morale of the of the Border Patrol and the terrible way that uh, they are being treated, that their uh, mission, that their mission as an agency of protecting the border has completely been uh, obliterated, has been Uh, just undermined by the Biden administration and how the uh, Border Patrol agents themselves are handling it. Our final guest is Mr. Uh, Jason Jones. Jason is a regular guest. He is a reporter with with, uh, Newsmax. He's going to be telling us about the crime, the criminal activities that the cartels are carrying on at the border as we speak, my friends. We have to declare the cartels a, a terrorist organization because, my friends, they are terrorizing. They are uh, attacking uh, our nation. We have got to take some action. And uh, it's not going to be done by the Democrats. I'm sorry. It's just not going to get done. So um, real quick, we have had a couple of very, very sad situations. One was the pic- a picture of a child in an inner tube floating down the, the Rio Grande by himself, Apparently, the child had been dumped by the uh, cartels without crossing him across the border. And uh, the child was floating down the river. Uh, An agent, Border Patrol agent, went in and saved him. Uh, We also have had a situation again where uh, some uh, illegal aliens were trapped in uh, boxcars in in, uh, railroads and um, they uh, almost perished. These things are happening, my friends, because of the policies of this administration. So, without further ado, let's go to our first guest. And welcome to the show, my friends, to the El Conservador Show with George Rodriguez. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas. And we've got our good friend, Mr. John Zdrosny from the American First... Uh, Legal Foundation in Washington, D.C. He is the Deputy Director of Investigations, and, if, and he also, get this, worked in the uh, Manhattan office of the D.A. So what better person to get on and chat regarding this whole situation that's been going on the past uh, few days in uh, New York City regarding President, former President Trump. John, thank you very much for taking time to be with us, and particularly since you uh, are a deputy director of investigations, because I have some questions about these investigations that have been going on regarding uh, uh, the former president and uh, the indictment that's uh, come down that's been announced. Um, Give us your thoughts. Has has the government become weaponized, particularly these local DAs?
4: George, thanks for having me on. Unfortunately, the short answer appears to be yes, George. I think that uh, you have witnessed the Soros era of prosecutors across the country. Uh, They were already doing quite a bit of damage before uh, this all happened because they basically stood down on crime. And a lot of our major cities have become uh, cesspools of crime, and a lot of good people are in danger because of it. But now they've they've went they've gone to stage two, at least in New York County, where I used to work. Like you said, um, Alvin uh, Alvin Bragg, the, the current district attorney for New York County, um, is basically going after a current presidential candidate and former president for political reasons. And uh, the the proof is in the the devil's in the details here, because the reality is what they've charged is not the sort of thing. First of all, it's not the sort of thing that would normally be charged anyway um, in in this volume, at this time, in this way. But it's also the sort of thing that you really don't, you wouldn't expect to see in a city that is ravaged by crime. Like it's not like everything's perfect and they've got free time and they thought they'd go after some old crimes. Um, The reality is uh, Alvin Bragg probably had to step over some corpses to get to work this morning uh, on the city steps. So um, it's really a mess in a lot of ways. But yes, to answer your question, this is what we're seeing is a blatant politicization of the political process. Uh, it, it will there's no turning back in some ways, but it's a Pandora's box. They should not have opened for a bunch of reasons, which I can get into if you'd like.
2: The uh, you know this situation again. Um, apparently, no felonies were mentioned. So how is it then that uh, it rises to the to a crime? Where the DA can bring uh, charges against him? I mean, for a, a, a slew of misdemeanors, I guess.
4: Well, no, actually, George, what they did—you're you're sort of right. They—they they actually indicted him on 34 counts of what in New York is a Class E felony, falsifying business records in ah, the okay. first degree. But it's barely a felony; it's a Class E felony, which is the last level of felony in New York State before you start to dip into the misdemeanors. Uh, but what they did is what they've done is really uh, concerning, and uh, everyone. Not only everyone who lives in New York, um, but people across the country should pay really close attention to this because what Alvin Bragg has done is somewhat unprecedented. He has charged a crime that uh, should not be eligible for charging because what's called the statute of limitations has run. So the statute of limitations, George, is basically if there's a crime on the books in the state or at the federal government level, they'll say you know it's the crime of whatever in the first degree – uh but uh, the statute of limitations is five years what that means is the prosecutors in that jurisdiction have five years within which to charge or there's no crime right because you you can't it's part of a a civilized criminal justice system where crimes are not endlessly open for the day someone decides to prosecute there's a certain amount of time within which that should be prosecuted it's it's very common it's part of our system uh the Classy felonies in New York have a five year statute of limitations. So you do the math. If you look at the indictment, all thirty four counts, or most of the thirty four counts, have a date of crime of somewhere in twenty seventeen. Even a liberal can do that math. That's twenty twenty two. That was last year. That means the statute of limitations on all of these charges has already run. Now, my understanding is Bragg has some sort of convoluted formula saying uh, oh, it's twofold thing. Is my understanding one is he saying well the, a crime occurred later, which he doesn't specify in the indictments, by the way. Uh, so we're using that date instead of the dates in the indictment. Good luck with that one in front of a judge at some point. Um, the other thing, though, uh, of concern is that those uh, statute of limitations. Someone made the argument that well, part of the reason Bragg did this is Trump was in the White House and then wasn't in New York. You don't get to toll the statute of limitations because someone's not in your state, <laughs> um, and it's just the sort of thing that it's the sort of thing that if I had done when I was an assistant DA in New York County, I, I might have been fired, but I probably would have been yelled at by my
2: supervisors. Oh, my gosh. You know, uh, again, the situation, a sitting federal president, a a former president, rather, is is, uh, investigated and indicted by a local DA. However, nothing is done about uh, the apparent drunk driving uh, of uh, Pelosi's husband. Uh, I I have yet to see anything regarding the server that... uh, that uh, Hillary Clinton had, and uh, certainly, I mean, somebody should investigate what Hunter and her his daddy have been up to.
4: Yeah, uh, George, add to that, Bill Clinton raped a woman when he was oh, the governor that's of right. Arkansas, Paula
2: right? like, Jones.
4: The, yes. the, the, no, that wasn't even Paula Jones. That was Juanita Broderick. And oh, like, that's, right. Knows, that's right. Right. So, gosh knows what other crimes have been committed. Oh, my, 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 the bottom line, Mike. It's not a concern. It's just a fact. This event has triggered what i believe will be a lack of hesitation on the part of both parties in the future to prosecute people now i'll say this as a former prosecutor as someone who thinks the law should be followed no matter what you're who you are or what your identification is i don't care i actually think it's okay if you actually committed a crime regardless if you're you know the guy who runs a hot dog stand or you're a senator i don't care the standard of justice should be did something bad happen and what would be what how would justice be fulfilled um but when you get into a situation where you're just making stuff up and then also where you're ignoring things like statute of limitations, which is very standard and very common, you're getting into a dangerous place. I, I will say this. The left – to the left, be careful what you wish for. You have opened this Pandora's box, and I think Republicans are going to be a lot less hesitant to start looking at Democrat crimes. And like you mentioned, George, like it seems like everywhere you turn, there's a Democrat committing a crime, and you're going to start seeing a lot of those folks go to prison, God willing, in the future.
2: I, you know, I can only hope. I mean, I just don't, I just cannot imagine that these characters have gotten away with what uh, what they have. Uh, and then, of course, there's the media. Let's talk a little bit about that because the gleefulness uh, that was going on on Friday uh, of last week regarding the announcement that Trump was going to show up and um, uh, be indicted in person in New York. Uh, I mean the. The uh, smiles and gleefulness of the leftist liberals on TV uh, and and the radio, of course, was uh, was nauseating. Uh, How? I mean, if they are the loudest voice in the in, in the room, how the heck do we counter these people?
4: Well, George, I, I think one one theory I have on this is, uh, you know, the left claims they've wanted uh, Trump to go away forever, right? But I don't believe them. I think the reality is they need him, like him, want him around. It kind of reminds me of that scene from The Dark Knight where Batman asks the Joker, why are you trying to kill me? And he says, kill you. Why would I want to kill you? What would I do without you? And I think that's ah. really very true. No, I mean, I, you really? listen to, look, MS, MSNBC went from having three viewers nationwide to a normal viewership in the last couple of days, right? Same with CNN. Their their ratings, their profits depend on people watching. Nobody is listening to anything they say except when they're talking about Trump. And so this was like you know cats on catnip for them for the last couple of days, and they want this to continue. And I'll add one more thing, which I don't quite where to go with this. I'll just say this: I think they want him to be the nominee, and that gives me a little bit of concern in the sense of what other things they have in their sleeve. Now, obviously, what they've done to him in New York County is inappropriate. There are a dozen reasons we talked about some of them. There are others, um, but it makes me concerned that. They are pushing to put him back into the spotlight, and uh, I think people have to take a close look at that.
2: Yep. Let me ask you one one last question. I don't know if you saw the uh, the sixty Minutes uh, or a portion of the sixty Minutes interview with uh, Mayorkas and his hesitancy to call the border crisis a border crisis.
4: Yeah, speaking of criminals, George,
2: <laughs> please give us your thoughts.
4: <laughs> yeah, uh, so uh, Alejandro Mayorkas may be one of the most valuable beings to ever draw a federal paycheck, and God willing, he will be in prison for his negligence someday. Uh, but I saw that. What's really interesting uh, is that Mayorkas can't say those things because he was he, obviously he was in, a, in front of a friendly reporter where they were asking him softball questions, but he was also in front of Congress the same week uh, that he did that sixty Minutes hit and. I know Senator Cruz for example asked him some questions he used Ortiz's uh, Ra- the chief uh, border patrol chief Raul Ortiz's questions from a sworn deposition last summer and asked him do you agree with these statements do you agree with these statements it's pretty clear my orcas is just a liar like he 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 can't say what he here's my theory George he can't say what he wants to say he wants to basically pull a colonel Jessup from a few good men uh-huh. he wants to say he wants to say, you're G.D. right. I engineered this amazing policy to import voters for the Democrat Party for the next 50 years, but I can't talk about it. Because if I say it out loud, I'm going to get in trouble. So he has to sort of hem and haw and say there are challenges and never use the word crisis and so on. Between you and me, I don't think there's that big a deal between the word challenge and crisis. The reality is, though, the real problem is everyone's kind of ignoring the fact that this is a policy. The left has engineered this failure. This is not an accident. This is not Keystone Cops. They want millions of illegal aliens in the country voting illegally, setting up routes – the foundation that they never can leave And then eventually pushing for some sort of amnesty To override the 63 million Americans They've aborted over the last 50 years yep. So I think this is this is The sort of thing that's really getting under his skin Because Mayorkas can't say what he wants to Which is, I did this and you're welcome
2: Amen John, thank you very, very much for taking time To be with us today, as usual uh, Folks, we've been talking with our good friend John Zudrosny from the America First Foundation In Washington, D.C. The American First legal foundation should i say in washington dc and he is the deputy director for investigations john thank you very very much and we'll get you back on again sometime soon
4: thank you george sounds great god bless
2: once again george rodriguez el conservador talking to you from san antonio howdy 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 once again my friends george rodriguez el conservador talking to you from san antonio deep in the heart of south texas and we've got our good friend mr randy clark who is with He is uh, one of the reporters on the border down in this area. And I wanted to get him on because uh, they uh, he gives us an update on what is going on at the border. And I mean, folks, while everybody's focusing on what is happening right now with the Trump indictment in New York City, the the absolute uh, the invasion continues down here on this on this border. Randy, thank you for taking time. Welcome to the show. Give us an update what is going on what are we uh what is uh the media not telling us uh, because uh they've grown so kind of accustomed to what is happening on the border
5: well, so we've got a very strange change in dynamics you know with, with the with the imposition of title forty two on some additional nationalities. We kind of saw those big groups that were surrendering in mass that folks were taking pictures of and we've been reporting on in Breitbart. And now we see that a lot of those migrants are coming surreptitiously. They're feeding now into the cartel's profits and they're trying to get on Texas roadways and highways and in other parts of the southwest border. So the the migrant traffic is still there. There was an uptick this month uh, for March. We just reported exclusively that We had over 161,000 apprehended during the month along the southwest border. Many of those were apprehended in Texas. So we know we've already reached the the 400,000 gotaway mark, mark since October. So we're on pace with the six months that are left in the fiscal year to get close to 2 million apprehensions again this year. Uh, that's a phenomenal number. And we know that we may lose Title 42 in May. Uh, the The problem that we face right now is nobody is addressing the issue of the demographics of who these migrants are. They are staged in Mexico by the thousands. Uh, they are mostly Venezuelans, Nicaraguans, Cubans, Colombians. And, uh, and we're seeing a mix of, of other nationalities that we might consider special interest countries. Uh, that the border patrol would consider special interest countries from a number of nations in the Middle East. We have a surge in in migrants from mainland China, from the People's Republic of China, coming over. So there's really no good news here because the highways are getting more and more dangerous.
2: Yeah, I can attest to that. I uh, I went to uh, to Laredo uh, recently and I uh, got caught up in two chases uh, on the road down there.
5: Well, and, you know, the, and that's terrible because we all have to travel the roadways. Yesterday, uh, a former ambassador, Nikki Haley, did a border tour accompanied by Representative Tony Gonzalez, and she spoke with a family uh, in Del Rio that was from Ozona, Texas. And uh, they had lost a grandmother and a granddaughter uh, during one of these high-speed pursuits. Uh, a migrant smuggler ran head-on into them and killed them both. So this is a very real danger, and Ozona not right on the border. It's over a hundred miles from the border. So this tells you that what's happening on the border is impacting folks not only a hundred miles away from the border, but in states miles from the border, like New York.
2: Yeah, yes, we've heard also about the uptick uh, in uh, illegal alien crossings in the in, uh, in the Swanton sector of, uh, of of the Border Patrol in uh, northern Vermont. Incredible. <laughs>
5: it seems to be a problem that's pervasive and and i think the administration is failing to see that you know we had a, a thousand rush the border in el paso just last week uh That's going to continue to happen because that demographic I spoke of, they are not going to go home. This is not not 1986, where mostly citizens of Mexico are coming illegally to get work and to turn around and go back when the season is over, make repairs at home, purchase supplies, and then come again for another season and then go back. These folks that are staged along the border and that we are seeing in places like New York, where they're being housed in hotels and they're crippling the city's economy, according to their mayor— uh, they are not going back to Venezuela. They're not going to go back to Colombia or Cuba. They are going to trickle in or they're going to mad rush this border in May when Title 42 is over.
2: Well, that's that's very, very true. Now, um, you talk about the cartels are the ones profiting from this new policy or these new policies that the Biden administration has put in. Uh, we have seen a video of a child in a floating device, floating down the river, uh, I believe it happened there in Del Rio, uh, and um, someone chasing after a, a border patrol agent, chasing after him and, and, and saving him. Uh, are we seeing? Are we going to be seeing more drownings because of all of this?
5: Well, we, we most certainly will. Uh, there, there is no doubt. You know, and there, there are deaths on both sides of the border, and we're only counting those that the border patrol finds. But incidents like this where a child is abandoned, that is how, you know. as humans, we're very smart and intelligent. You make a rule, we we will find a way around it. And when we try and finally curb up some of these policies that we're inviting folks to come and mass releases and filling up shelters, they will go around that by sending their children first. Because the children, once they're in custody, the parents are going to cross weeks and, and maybe months later Then they're going to ask for their child. That child is going to be at a shelter far from the border. They're not going to bring the child to the border and expel the family together. They're going to let the family go so that they can go reunite with the child somewhere else. Uh So it's a ploy. This is a big ploy. These are not children that are traveling from Colombia and Venezuela and, and deep in Mexico by themselves. It's a deliberate move to skirt any kind of enforcement of immigration law.
2: Wow. Let me ask you this one last question because a lot of folks are very disturbed by what they saw. Uh, There was a 60-minute interview, CBS's 60 Minutes interviewed Mayorkas, uh, the Homeland Security uh, Secretary, and in the interview he refused to use the word crisis for describing the border. He just refused. I mean, he told them that he he just was not going to use that word because it wasn't appropriate. What are your thoughts on that?
5: Well, you know, it's certainly a level of denial that really one can't even rationalize. You know, we just had 39 migrants die in a fire at a detention center. Uh, in in Juarez, Mexico, they're dying on both sides of the border. Uh, they're they're finding migrants dead in trains. Uh, you know, if if he can't look at the communities he's responsible to protect as as the Secretary of Homeland Security and look them in the eye and acknowledge what is going on, uh, it's just it's ridiculous. You know, it's it's beyond negligent. Uh, so it, it's it's hard to imagine that he can maintain the facade of. This is all normal, but this is not normal. You know, in, in my past life, while I was 32 years in the border patrol. I never saw anything like what we have seen since 2021. It has never been this bad. Uh, the agency is facing a crisis of, of agents retiring at their soonest eligibility, or in some cases, finding other employment because they just cannot deal with what they're seeing every day. You know, those agents that are chasing that child in a flotation device more than likely have children of their own. Uh, that's not something they, they come to work to do every day. You know, they'll, they'll gladly perform rescues. But they hate to see people deliberately putting their lives at risk when this government fails to, to enforce immigration laws that deter them from putting their life at risk in the first place. There's where the negligence is. But this is the crisis that he created. So I think his internal dilemma with calling it a crisis is he would have to admit that I'm responsible for this most dangerous border, uh, you know, land border in the world, according to the United Nations. Wow. Incredible.
2: Randy, thank you very, very much for taking time to be with us uh, today. Tell the folks where they can follow you and uh, how they can uh, read more of your articles.
5: They can find our stories under the Cartel Chronicles webpage on Breitbart News. Uh, they can also follow me on Twitter at RandyClarkBDTX. It was a pleasure talking to you
2: today, George. Once again, my friends, our good friend, Mr. Randy Clark with Breitbart, here at the border in South Texas. Take care, Randy. Yes, sir. Once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio.